so wait, before <laughs> before we get into it and before someone actually tells me, Roman, can you explain a cloaca to me? Uh this is a this is a tell not show situation. <laughs> oh well, he <laughs> um, <laughs> just stood up. Um, uh, Let me show it, you. Is it, is it, isn't it like no? What I'm picturing is like the 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 beak a, uh, a squid the has. Cannon, baby. <laughs> is is like an internal beak? Time I I seen like teeth thing. That is like so much worse mouth? than what a cloaca like is. Like a squid beak mouth. <laughs> cloaca is like you know filtering swamp mud through a broken cappuccino machine. <laughs> It's it's what an egg comes out of. Unfortunately, it's also what pee comes out of and what poop comes out of. I think that's why I'm weirded out by homegrown chickens. Like I don't like homemade eggs. You want you want like factory factory cloacas? They make me feel less covered in poop. Quarantine episode 35 for clarification because we ended Wednesday's episode not knowing which episode we had started or ended. I have already had to edit out the ep- me pronouncing the incorrect episode number at the beginning of at least one episode. So we'll see. But this is 35. We're going to oh. talk about Batman and Robin number nine. We've got a good crew of buddies here today. I'm Jeff. I'm Django. I'm Roman. <laughs> I was playing chicken. <laughs> so was I. <laughs> I, know, I know, I know. This is the end of this whole Blackest Night, you know, zombie Batman. Okay, well, you know, listen, we'll broad stroke it, but then I've got a question for Django I'm excited about. This issue picks up where the previous one ended, is what I say at the beginning of all of them, because it's a comic, and that is what they are wont to do. But it is a dead Batwoman who gets dropped into a Lazarus pit Turns out she overdosed on morphine to then get thrown into a Lazarus pit. I'm excited to talk to you guys about the moral ambiguity of that decision. She comes out, they <laughs> Those escape. Are left and right in this arc. Yeah, zombie Batman is harassing Damien, and we just get some real fun, wonderful fight scenes between Bat Dick, Batwoman, Damien, and zombie bats and Alfred. We get a couple more than one synchronized punches in this show. We love those. <laughs> they have just been cranking them out this whole run. But yeah, and then a, a good mystery reveal at the end, but just a sort of a nice wrap-up issue to an arc that didn't necessarily have huge, insane implications, although some weird moral decisions. Excited to talk about those, but first. I think it was two episodes ago, Django, you were on, yeah. and I asked you a question about the coloring, and then you explained a coloring process. Yeah, the posterizing yeah. for the right. skies. And the, yeah. and the reason I like to ask Django mm. questions like that is because Django has worked at a newspaper before. He owns a business where he prints shirts and stickers. He knows a lot of things about, like, DPI and <laughs> bleed. And not just, like, Satan is sacrificing blood, but, like, dot, pitch, blood, bleeding. Why his walls are that way. Yeah. Two okay. Reasons. All of that is to say, from the very first time this issue came out, I've been on record as loving these Frank Quietly covers. I love them. I love them. They're beautiful. But this cover has always had this really shitty pixelization of the line work. 
And my suspicion is that the drawing was just drawn small and then blown up. But particularly like in the red of his jacket, like the lines, the seams, it's just yeah. pixels. Like you can see, and then I'm looking at a blown up image of it. So it's like, I think a, a blown up of a blown up. But um, on all of the line work on that image of, you know, zombie Batman about to throw Damien over this building, uh, you can see how computerized the line work is. Is, oh, is that damn. the reasoning why? Like what, why is that? So, yeah, you see this sometimes in comics. It looks to me like maybe both things happened. Like maybe he drew it kind of small and then they blew it up. But when they blew it up, they forgot to, they just placed a low, a low resolution image and made it bigger, which means that you're making the pixels bigger. Right. The better way to do that would be to put it in Photoshop and tell Photoshop to make the image bigger, and then it'll make guesses and smooth out some of those jagged pixels. It is. Um, <clears throat> it's overtly pixelized. I, this, I've never noticed that. I don't have that keen eye for minor art observation, I guess, Jeff, but now that you say it, it's like you know getting a Volkswagen bug and then only seeing Volkswagen. Like I can't unsee it. The R is so chunky, and like the outline of his cape as it goes over Batman's cape, it yeah. looks like something from paint. Yeah, yeah, it totally. Like you would zoom it in, and, and, and exactly, it's it's that. Uh, that but, is what it is. But it's just a travesty to see it on Frank Quitely's <laughs> art. Yeah, it's interesting that they didn't uh, try to fix it for the reprints that you guys are reading. I'm reading the original issues, like as it was initially intended. Uh, with those those reprints, I would expect. Are you them an elitist? Correct. So you're reading the right version, is what you would say. Did your guys just come with a bunch of spit on the pages, or is that just mine? <laughs> um, that isn't a phenomenon I've noticed on a lot of the covers, but um, that no. one particular issue has always stood out to me. Is like just seemed like a, a rush job. Every once in a while, it it seems like not as much recently, but in the first in the first maybe like the, the last. 10 years there have been a lot of issues that have full pages or three or four pages that it looks like they just forgot to put a high resolution version of the the page in um and i don't think i remember any from this from this batman run that you're reading but uh definitely we're reading that's right i've i've kept up (laughs) in the original issues the better version of the story you know your whole thing you're reading the the crown jewel i'm i'm basically reading the, the old testament the king Grant Morrison's original interpretation of, of what Bible. God told him to write about <laughs> Batman. <laughs> so, um, so let's get into this. This first page is just a big old glory shot of a dead Batwoman. Yeah, she's fucked up. She's like bleeding out of the nose. And you know, that's a not like a capital G good death, but like, no. good, like you're good and dead kind of dead when you're bleeding that much from the nose. And... It's actually, now that we mentioned it, on the following page, Batman, Dick Bats, says that she over he gave her enough morphine that she would overdose. I wonder if it's like a Pulp Fiction situation, like where maybe she snorted the drug that was too serious and then her nose started bleeding, probably because of the rock falling, but let's maybe pretend it's because she snorted too much morphine, which was actually probably injected, but... I mean, that's what happens when I bleed at the shop, you know, every time that I, you know, Justin's bleeding at the shop again. Small you sacrifice. Get yeah. <laughs> Fire up the Lazarus pit. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it is a weird, how do you, so like what, what do you guys think about that? Batwoman's like, I'm being crushed under these rocks as this cave's falling in. Give me enough drug to kill myself and then dip me in the Lazarus pit so I'll come back okay. It all made sense to me in the story. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was, well, what else are you going to do? 
I feel like I mean, she already she already realized she couldn't feel anything in her limbs that she was going to be paraplegic if she lived. Paraplegic, or no, quadriplegic. She said. It's, I mean, I guess Justin and I spent a fair amount of time on the previous episode talking about like, hey, would you, you know, take your best buddy and throw him in the Lazarus pit to bring them back? I, I don't know. I guess I just consider the whole Lazarus pit system to be kind of a, I think you take, well, not necessarily a bad <laughs> idea, but you think you take pretty seriously, right? Like, oh, all yeah. right, I'm just going to die. And then you bring me back and we'll all be good, right? Like, that's a good plan. It's like, yeah, it. I guess on paper it works, but isn't there like a, I guess I consider there'd be some sort of like moral fallback from doing it or something, you know, like what piece of fiction is it where every time, yeah, every time you come back from the dead, you come back a little less yourself or something. Are you thinking of multiplicity where every one of the clones gets a little bit? Hey Steve. Hey Steve. I like pizza. (laughs) I I thought they had said at one point that, yeah, there was a kind of, that's why Ra's al Ghul is, like every time he came back, he was a little more nuts, mm-hmm. and that stuck with him. So yeah, there's. But you know, it's Batwoman's first time in the pit; it'll be fine. <laughs> they're just like it's been dry for so long that they're just like trying to use it as much as they can. You know, it's like having Slurpees <laughs> and then moving away from Seven Eleven and then moving back to your old neighborhood right next to a Seven Eleven. You're gonna drink a lot of Slurpees on July eleventh. Like- yeah. When you get the free Slurpee, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if if the four of us were trapped in that cavern and, like, none of us were even badly injured, but, you know, Django's got his bee strings and, Jeff, you've got your, your back. Let's just all just jump in the pit. Right. <laughs> It'll fix yeah. all that stuff. My well, stomach's but, fucked up. But you have to die first, right? Oh, that's yeah. right. You do have to die first. But right. let's so mo- Roman wants the morphine. I, well, I want the, I've been saying if I could comfortably OD on morphine or heroin Someone and hit me come with back, those nuts. it's like the best. <laughs> just, it's just like <laughs> just clear. Um, it's I, I think that's the best way you can possibly go. I've long since said like if you're gonna if you know you're gonna die, just overdose on some morphine or some heroin. Come on, like what could be better? Yeah, that's pretty peaceful, right? You just go to sleep basically. I don't like think it's. I think heroin nice. throw up and and oh. drown in your own Seas vomit and, or uh, yeah. your heart. Yeah, I, I, her statement at the end of this about you know when they when they get back together next time to do this and she will come cover that at the end. But I no fuck it, let's cover it right now at the end of this issue well, when <laughs> when Dick is like, hey, this was very cool. I didn't really know you. This was a fun crew of time we had. And uh, he's kind of hitting on her. He super hits on her. Yeah, and it's like because he's a redhead. Dirty. Yeah, <laughs> and she's super gay, and I love it. But uh, she says, sure, next time I'm ready to experience the agony of multiple fractures and internal injuries before choking to death in a state of euphoria and rising from the dead with barely any recollection of the event, I know exactly where I'll find you. (laughs) I love that, though, choking to death in a state of euphoria. I guess, yeah, you're probably terrible, but you you process it in a positive way. Wow. Well, I'm glad that she came back. I I think it would have sucked for them to paralyze Batwoman this early in her career because this is like her fourth appearance or something like that fifth, fifth or sixth appearance so that's another thing i am curious about is the timeline of of rucka's batwoman elegy 52 and this like because it does seem like this is dick's kind of first encounter of, with her that detective so, run started in batman reborn so it's oh, like did it? yeah it's a few issues in at this point because i was i was i started getting every batman reborn book and slowly kind of dropped down to the ones I didn't want. Um, and so I was getting these issues and that issue at the same time. 
and she was a new like the whole reason she's in this is to kind of sport her relationship and her purpose in the batman universe and okay. to show how she doesn't really she's not even really affiliated with batman at this point yeah her first appearance is 52 number 11 yeah right which falls somewhere in between those those issues that you guys were that that you talked about in the first episode or two does anybody she ass, though i really she, like the character i do too i even like James Tinian the fourth, his like detective comics run during Rebirth, I think did a lot of cool <laughs> stuff with her, especially like with her military father and the way that she fits into the Batman. Like she's even, I think that she's portrayed as being a little bit more willing to be authoritarian than Batman is. For sure. Oh, yeah. And that's scary. Yeah, well, she's got that military training, you know, she, she knows to be subservient and also to make others subservient. If right. She's good because- with that. You guys think that Bruce would have come to that solution for her being crushed? I don't think that that was, I don't, and I think maybe I maybe have a, a different view of it that might be less informed than everybody else, but I, I guess I just consider Lazarus Pit as a last ditch effort. Like you don't do it unless it's the only option. And in this situation, it was the only option, mm-hmm. but I don't know. It's not a thing that really ever seems like he didn't come across that conclusion for when Jason Todd died. Right. 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 Yeah. I think that there is a a big moral barrier. I think that Dick Grayson here, I mean, he already did it once, right? Uh, Fool me once, but I think they really try to show that there's like, she wouldn't make it out alive in any other context unless she was to die first and then be reborn. So in, in that way, she's like being saved. Um, I personally, as if I were Batman, it'd be a really hard call for me in that situation to do it. Cause you know, I would think about like the non-physical or spiritual, but like, what am I doing when I'm playing with life and death like that? Like I, Mm -hmm. okay, I'll kill my buddy so I can bring my buddy back. Like, that's a role that I don't think that I have. And that's, that is a hard complex situation to fit in that Batman kill or don't kill. He wouldn't be very good at that. Like test where you have to pull the lever to either kill one person or save six children. Like he wouldn't (laughs) would break the lever. So Justin, what you said makes sense to me. I stand by that. That sounds like a good read of you, but Justin, you and I are in the bottom of a cave. It's just caved in. And I have a bunch of morphine that could kill me, and I'm dying. What if I tell you to put me in the thing, and then bring me back? Like, uh, is it? You're sure, you're not just you haven't started a little bit of morphine on the way there to get well, to that. Well, it's Jeff, so he's probably <laughs> always on a little bit of something. But uh, you know, like, you know, I wonder. Would well, Dick you, come to the conclusion? No, but does it? Is there a salve? Does it re- release some of that stress if some if you're doing it at someone else's behest? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Well, I think that that is a little more moral because you're honoring a wish, and in that way, that person has agency over their own right. life, and they're like, I'm either going to die paralyzed on these rocks, or I'm going to die to morphine and get brought back. Even if I don't get brought back both ends lead in death either way you know right. it's like either i get to choose my own death or i'm gonna just die like this at least one is a more comfortable death a and b you know you may get to take you know a bath in god's jacuzzi and come back out <laughs> throwing real lit god's know. got a good koozie uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i don't want to hammer away too much on this but um I'm just glad that she didn't ask him to strangle her to death with his bare hands. Cause I think that would have been more damaging to him. 
like if he didn't have his utility belt right okay so right yeah. if she yeah, gave me the awful. Wrong. <laughs> yeah yeah and and justin there's um isn't there an maybe an aspect of like if if your buddy asks you to do it because they're gonna be you know paralyzed for that sort of life if they survive um if they ask you to is there an aspect of you getting to be a little just a little bit for a, like a mini version of a psychopomp in that yeah oh hell yeah that's awesome yeah you Connecting. would help fare him yeah help you know fare him back and forth uh and in that case anyone want to try it out i'll help them out you know <laughs> as long as you take the nexus of responsibility <laughs> off of me i have to imagine that beneath you Django, is a lazarus pit considering you are hanging out in a room whose walls are entirely <laughs> painted with the blood of innocence yeah and i i didn't know that psychopomp was just uh like the reverse Air midwife jump. Yeah, um, but, uh, I'm gonna have to get Justin in here to help me. What are you? What are you trying to somebody else blood room. <laughs> um, so I really like the bit, you know, as they're working to get to uh, the Lazarus Pit. Just the the conversation between uh, Knight and Squire and Dick. Just this, they haven't really seen that Batman's dead yet. But I like that Knight, who was a child when dick and batman had originally gone to the club of heroes and then that guy the original knight died and then this knight grew up and became knight like squire became knight but they were both sidekicks at the same time and now they're both people filling in the role of the fallen hero and i just really liked knight's description of just like you used to absolutely terrify me you're just this raucous little demon boy always somersaulting around cracking weird jokes and some barely decipherable accent i love the idea of dick having an accent like a circus accent i do um, too I, I think that's super cool and i wish that it oh. had been like that from the very beginning and it's, i didn't you know that is cool i didn't get that it was maybe a circus accent i thought he was just saying that because because knight is british and he couldn't understand dick's like gotham accent or whatever he accent yeah is. i think it's that same thing that has been referenced a couple times just in this batman and robin run like the circus accent you know like they bring up in those first three issues. And I think that the interaction between Damien and his dad is, is pr well, his zombie dad, as he shows up, is, is really interesting. And I like that... Damien's a badass in this issue. Damien's a badass in this issue, and I like what tone... I guess I, I like the conversation that Morrison decided to write between these two here because it really is Damien needing to be face-to-face -face with his fear of, am I a disappointment to my father? Because this father figure is saying, like, you know, you're here to replace me. A bunch of other negative things, like you're my biggest mistake. And, and, and that's the kind of stuff that I think any child is terrified to hear from their parents. So it's not just an act of like, whoa, you're supposed to be my dad, and now you're a zombie back. But it's also like kind of, attacking what I perceive to be some of Damien's biggest fears, whether he knows he has them or not. Mm -hmm. For sure. I think it also plays in to the prophecy that one day he's going to replace him and be the one who kills people. That's like Bruce's biggest fear is to, you know, break, break his one rule and kill people. And his little demon's son is going to replace him and kind of tarnish his bat legacy. And so I think, you know, this Bruce, whatever he is, and we slowly discover his memories are like you know has been atemporalized like he's getting all things mixed up in time i think he's like oh you're gonna you know in batman 666 like you're the devil you're the little freak that ruins everything i gotta kill you now mm -hmm. and so i, I kind of read the prophecy of damien's legacy 
into this too because you know bruce is he's all remixed in the head the right before we get to that amazing page of the like damaged memories i did love that uh alfred is in the elevator and he grabs the batman's cape and then it closes and starts to go up and he yells your move damien and damien grabs a, a computer mouse and throws it at his face and just the shot of the broken mouse and the blood and all of like the computer is like i just grinned very large reading that because it's just so cool and it's just one of those things of like yeah it's just a mouse unless you're really really good at what you do in which case it's a shattered little bomb in your mouth right yeah. it's just so resourceful yeah i love this little fight here because it's like alfred and, and damien in a wheelchair and a body and a neck brace almost almost kick clone batman's ass better than batwoman and and dick bats <laughs> and night and squire did yeah no that's that's true i didn't think about how, how they actually fare um better than most and actually justin i'm finding a lot of those same spit particulates in my comic as well so yeah it must be a printing issue this is an issue that i'm holding oh, oh. <laughs> how about how about that uh just batman's stilted speech it's not like written in vernacular like the cockney people you know in the last two issues but it's like the word r is just written as a letter r like it's it's yeah it's a weird way of conveying broken language, but instead of asking, like spelling Y, it's just the letter Y. And it's just a weird... That is B-U-L-D, how Django spells blood. Yeah. I, I, I took it as somebody that's like learning to talk as they yeah. go. Yeah. Oh, I, I took it as somebody who's falling apart as they go too. Like, oh. like I, I would, breaking down. like your, your, your jaws loosening up and you, you can't keep it on your face. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it is. you are, my I, thoughts. I hate that feeling. <laughs> yeah, every morning with Roman. <laughs> Until um, he has this oatmeal, and that's like a little Lazarus pity puts inside him. So we get the big kind of call back to R.I.P. slash Final Crisis here with the with the you know the Batman clone body that <coughs> failure, um, but it's got him trying to sort through these memories. But all he knows is the weird download data dump of memories that was pushed into his clone body during Final Crisis, right. and we know that those memories are too much for any living thing to endure except for Batman. So I just really like this. It's just you know three images that don't have any strict moment in time significance however they're a hodgepodge of all these different events so it really accurately conveys that idea of just like amorphous cloud of traumatic memories that you're not fully able to live right like asriel bane scarecrow amalgamation there yeah yeah that's really cool. i was just gonna say that yeah and he's breaking a piece of straw instead mm -hmm. of batman's back yeah yeah and just like yeah there's like a bleeding effect you know it's like all these parallel lives and universes are all overlapping on each other because batman's brain is just like this is what happens when you revive the body but the spirit is not intact it's like this empty thing trying to walk back through his own life again and this is the way they wrote his like bones crackling like glass born dead uh born from a from a broken jar like it's weird bizarro poetry but it right. is kind of poetic it's like oh man, Batman, your life is fucked up. And to that point, like, and even just feeding into that last rites, final crisis arc of, you know, I think a thing that Bat, or Morrison particularly is kind of a mission statement in this whole run is the idea that Batman's greatest superpower is his preparedness, you know? But I also think that they, there's a very salient point throughout the whole thing, which is that Batman's also greatest superpower 
is his ability to push through all of this trauma. And they made these clone bodies and grew them and put the same memories in them. But those things couldn't, those, that destroyed those things. So I think there's like a, and I think as like I was reading this and we talked earlier about how, you know, several of us were going through like a really pretty traumatic time in our life as this was coming out. And it was a really empowering thing for me while reading it to just sort of be like Batman's greatest superpower is the fact that he doesn't give up. He pushes forward through trauma and he doesn't need to be, you know, a super powered individual for the fact that just the ability to not give up is a, is a thing that is maybe the most empowering thing of all. The unbreakable human spirit. Yeah. It's interesting. Bruce Wayne. <laughs> it's interesting that the, uh, and the background for those three, three, um, crammed together memories. It's in a circus tent. Yeah, yeah it is. Which I guess yeah. maybe ties into earlier Morrison creating like villains just for, for Dick. All these kind of crazy, kind of circus themed in a way villains. But hmm. if this guy is just Bruce's memories stuffed into this body, then why? The yeah, circus? that's that's the question, and I don't know if that's just thematically to link it to specifically Dick Rob, Grayson's yeah. as Batman's run or interesting what, or if also because it's such a jumbled mess of memories, you know, where else do you see jumbled messes for entertainment circuses? Yeah. And, and right. the, sorry, Justin. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I just, I wonder if this is like Bruce isn't there, but Robin is Zarenra Batman. So maybe Kathy Kane looks dead here and Gordon Alfred is there. Like maybe he's at the night that, Dick Grayson dies, but it's Kathy Kane dying at the circus rather than Dick Grayson. Oh. Yeah, it's so interesting. You know, I think some people could just say, like, ah, it doesn't make sense, whatever, it's there. But I think that when you, like, have you just putting a vague thing that doesn't overtly make sense into the world and letting people make metaphor out of it is just one of my favorite things, right? Like, maybe there isn't a right answer to that. Maybe there's no strict thing, but you know morrison knows hey take these 14 elements and squish them together in an image and there's a lot of different connections other people can make basically a rorschach Mm. test of events for sure how about that uh batman says to damon you were my biggest mistake and he says stepping in gasoline was your biggest mistake and he throws a light (laughs) at the gas like that is one of those moments where like that's just like a crowd winning damien moment just like right i know we hate him but that was pretty cool yeah (laughs) he's the hero of this fucking arc you know um or at least of this issue he's just such a badass and stepping into his own and you know when awesome mentor makes a moral mistake it shows that damien's a really good student because he's willing to you know to still fight and like you know he's kind of compensating for where last time Damien kind of fucked over Dick. Now this time Dick's fucking over Damien and Damien's meeting him and, you know, fighting his fight for him, which is really cool. Um, but I thought that just the whole, the whole thing with Damien was, I thought that the art really showcased how broken he is and how like he's, he's recovering from having his spine replaced yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and he shouldn't be doing any of this. Like he should be hanging out in his wheelchair, but instead he's like sucking it up and, doing some pretty risky things given the fact that his back he's is got broken. a new spine <laughs> yeah i also like how down he talks to dick about dick's decisions like he just says like you're the idiot that put us in this situation like i just yeah holding him responsible you know and it is that i think that damien developed his emotional core as the story went on and so he couldn't really understand this idea of like 
Dick just being like, he's my best friend and my mentor and he was dead and I want him back. And Damien's just like, you fucking idiot. That doesn't like, mm-hmm. that doesn't make the analytical sense that we need for it to make right now. And um, just, a, I, I like that dialogue there. I also like that Batman's zombie body just progressively decomposes throughout this whole issue. Oh, so good. His yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. I really like this issue and I, I kind of read it as, Bruce's body kind of going back in time as he slowly starts to fight. Like he's unraveling back through where he came from, where this body kind of came from. And uh, this fight scene is so good. I, you know, I don't want to throw him any compliments, but Cameron Stewart does construct a fight scene really well. I, at reading this issue, I had the same feeling. Like I haven't really liked his body of work outside of this. Um, and it made learning that he was a total D-bag uh, easier. But then going through these three issues for the first time in a long time, I'm like, this art is, I, I really like what happens in this issue. It's, it's like an interesting blend of quietly-esque stuff. And also you, you can see um, Chris Burnham. For mm-hmm. sure. There's a lot in this that looks like, oh, wow, like Cameron Stewart kind of bridges that gap between, it makes the Burnham quietly connection a little bit more, uh, more of a through line in my mind. So, on the next couple of pages, we see Batwoman come out, go into, and come out of the Lazarus Pit. Why doesn't she come out crazy at all? Yeah, like I, is that just her emotional fortitude? She said she wouldn't. Yeah, I I <laughs> love dick. that. But yeah, she's got such great willpower that that's apparently she just decided, nope, I'm not going to be crazy. But I think actually, I think there's some subtle things visually later on that I think it is affecting her. She's just amazing willpower and suppressing it can you point out any of those things um she's just got a morphine hangover (laughs) yeah maybe it's the morphine well like when she uh when her dad shows up from i don't know where the hell he was but he shows up to uh meet them on the stairs and they're all walking out of there and her and her dad are talking and she looks at her dad the bottom of page 67 in my copy um and just page nine in mine. Just the big grin on her face when she says something to him. I mean, that was the first panel. I was like, you know, that grin looks inappropriate for the situation. I wonder if she's <laughs> right. a little got a little bit of crazy in her, and oh. she's just not showing it. And <laughs> was, in the panel before that, like she's looking at her hands, and he asks her, "What's with a thousand yard stare?" Yeah, yeah. So she's yeah. she's traumatized at least. She just like I, I I've always understood that you came out kind of a berserker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, when I, I came out, I was raging. Yeah, you know? yeah. Bill Forgetti, Bill Forgetti. Oh, the Yeti, bitch. <laughs> um, I, on the topic of, like, almost inappropriate smiles, like, I just love shots of Dick in the, ba- the Batman costume. And the shot oh, yeah. where he says, like, what is that thing you dug, dug up? And then he says, my responsibility. And then he dives off the building, and he's smiling. and that could just be you know Cameron Stewart not knowing how to draw a grimacing Batman or something but I just love that a smiling Batman you just don't get it well he's joking too in a way that Batman doesn't you know I'm in the middle of a serious team up yeah yeah Yeah. and which means yeah yeah you're right it also implies that all of this stuff is not a thing that he's just doing because he has this life debt war on crime he also finds joy in doing this good service to help people yeah, he's yeah. got like a kind of self-irony that Batman is too self-serious to have, you know? He's like, yeah. you know, I'm in the middle of a serious team-up. Like, can't you see this is my moment? And, uh, yeah, it's a, a playfulness that, you know, Bruce is 
too busy, you know, fixing the world to, or like ending crime that Dick Grayson, he's just got a different approach. I, you know, I wonder if Bruce would throw somebody in the Lazarus pit, but Dick has got a less stringent, strict morality, you know? I love the scene where uh, evil Batman punches Damien off the roof and Dick saves him. Yeah. He's just like, because Damien's got nothing. He's going to die. Yeah. 100% if uh, Dick doesn't show up right there. And I love that his response is still, you idiot. You know, like, (laughs) um, you caused all this, you maniac. (laughs) Yeah, I just, I, that, the, the relationship between those two, I miss it so much. And we have, like, both those characters exist. We could get more of it, but just, I don't think people know how to write that solid of a big brother, little brother dynamic and, and. Morrison Tom just King did the park. a little bit of it, um, but it was it was a, a different tone than this. Yeah, I can't think of anybody who's really been given an arc or a long arc to do. I guess I guess no, never mind. That was like Tomasi. That was when Bruce was back. Dixon could do it. Yeah. Oh, Dixon, <laughs> Justin, and Dixon. Oh yeah. Um, quick, quick question, Jeff. Does yeah. that just made me curious? Does Morrison have siblings? Wow, great question. I don't think so, actually. Uh, part of me wants to say maybe he had a brother, but actually, I don't think so. He had the two parents. The parents that were little nuclear bomb that they push around on a stroller that had yeah. a weight on it that he called his baby brother. Um, and, and my main reason for saying I don't think so is that in that Talking with Gods documentary, we didn't, I'm sure that we would have heard from a sibling if there was one that was available. Oh, yeah but he's got like lifelong old family friends and i he he seems kind of like an only child the the scene of just the the battle between batwoman dick bats and zombie bats is great so, and the way that those panels just sort of fall apart into madness as it's going on and i just mm-hmm. i felt the they're fun fucking of, them up. they're fucking <laughs> them up and it, and all of the images are effective storytelling hits right like you can mm-hmm. picture one going to the next like there's just it's not it doesn't just feel like a fight scene. There's enough images that they're interesting images and they elicit a lot of emotion. Well, they actually are like teaming up with each other. Like there's a scene where Dick punches Bruce in the face, but you see Batwoman kicking him in the back. And so, and then he falls over and then she punches him and then he lays, or he punches her and lays, sorry, he punches him and lays her up for the next punch. And then she kicks him in the gut and knocks him down. And then Dick comes in and hits him in the face with, with his knee. Like they're playing off of each other and, and then setting him up. Finishes with again, another one of those great dual punches. And yeah, uh, that, that one. And then the night squire one on the next page. Yeah. It's a nice, nice, just visual reminders of the, you know, the partnership um, themes in this run. Well, so that's, what I was kind of wanted to touch on is just all of these simultaneous punches this is i think the fourth and fifth ones of the run like fourth and fifth ones in nine issues happen in this issue and it feels like they have to be written in so i wonder just sort of why morrison is trying to iron on the the themes of partnership so much and i get it because i think batman is more of a i get an interpretation of it it's like batman is a real solitude figure you know he does everything even though he has robins is almost sort of like a trying to complete his own existence that Robins provide. Whereas Dick really seems nourished by being in a partnership and all these new mm-hmm. villains and this new war on crime. And yeah, like team up seems to be a way larger dynamic in, in this run than the, the Bruce stuff. What do you but all think about that? That kind of double punch feels real golden or silver agey to me. 
um, almost like um, Adam West Batman, mm-hmm. Batman 66 kind of stuff. Um, so I wonder if part of it isn't just trying to bring that happier, lighter time to mind because, you know, it, they, they never do a double punch in the middle of a fight. It's always like the victory punch, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. Yeah, which was what I was going to say. It's a it's a throwback to the a nod to the TV show, mm-hmm. and just a reminder that hey, this this run overall, Batman and Robin is more fun than just Batman. Yeah, yeah I think it's uh, more than some of its parts. Like Dick Grayson can't be Batman the Optimum Man, but he can be Dick Grayson who has friends and relies on his mm. Bat family. Like I think the one strength that Batman has is he's just this kind of perfect solution finding machine and dick grayson is a little like he says i don't i like to play without a net he doesn't like to prepare and he he relies on his friends he truly relies on them you know and Mm -hmm. so i think the double punch is kind of showing like yeah they can't be batman but they can be a a true team you know yeah that and that i think is a little bit closer to my read on it just also just not i've never really watched the adam west stuff so can anybody tell me what damien pulls out of his no, Pants. I don't know. I'm around with this red thing. I thought it was a grapple gun. I thought so too. It, it must be. And I think it's to implicate that Damien was thrown off the building and he could have saved himself, mm-hmm. but he didn't have to because Dick was yeah. there to save him, which is, I think that that kind of speaks to the idea that Damien assumes he's not going to have friends and assumes he won't have help. So he's going to pull this grappling thing out, but before he even needed to save himself, someone else was there to save him. So it's kind of a teaching lesson of like, you know, friendship or partnerships can allow you to do this. But it has the same handle as the grappling gun that when Dick smiles and jumps off the roof, um, it looks like the base of what he's holding is similar to the red thing that Damien is holding in his belt buckle. For sure. Mm, yeah. Okay. okay. And I think and it then... harkens back to the save that Dick did in the second or third issue where he like saves Damien and Damien's like, Oh fuck. I need to like maybe open up my mind and realize people are here for me. Right. He, he does it again. Like, Hey, I got you, man. But they don't ever I... have to say it. And I think that that is important. Sorry, Ruben. Yeah. I really like the way they did that. Cause you know, it's just that one panel showing, showing Damien across on the other building, pulling it out of his, the back of his waistband. And then we just see the fight between Batwoman and the clone and Dick bats. And next time we see Damien, he's on the same roof with them putting it back in his pocket so you know okay so he like you know swung over on the line but we didn't need to see that right so he didn't have anything to do with the final thing that makes bad batman crumble because he's standing behind bad batman yeah it also looks like it could just be brass knuckles yeah yeah i think he just got there just in time for the end of the fight okay yeah It, it is it is interesting i think that they wanted to sort of finalize the fight as the thing between dick and batwoman and then yeah dick has the really weird line of hitting on batwoman which i don't know i guess i, I guess I, I thought that was great yeah i guess dick's a flirtatious buddy yeah he he's a charmer and and like, he's, like he says i have a thing for redheads and, yeah. and we've already seen in this issue that he's a big old swinging dick like when he kept when he catches damien right, when he <laughs> swings when he swings right oh django <laughs> but i do love uh but don't get your hopes up as gonna, her statement she doesn't nearly it you know she doesn't identify anything about her sexuality but just like nah, i wouldn't get your hopes up too high there dick mm-hmm. and uh was How she professional was she dick. out in the stories at this point i don't know well in the store i mean the character was out her real identity yeah well 
We, did did also, we know that she was gay? I think that in early 52. In I think in fifty two okay. because the female question, Renee Montoya, didn't she have a relationship with her? Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think that I think Started maybe that there. that's touched on in fifty two. Actually, I, we'd okay. have to go yeah. go look through it, but I believe that actually is. I think that she's always been yeah out. Maybe maybe it yeah. was that they wouldn't. There there was some editorial thing where they they wouldn't let them get married or live together there there was there's there some I like remember yeah there was some weird thing, thing. right right though at this time in store in the story i don't dick doesn't know her real identity right and well, she's like completely separate from the batman family right. for a while she's just right. an independent agent who takes upon the batwoman role but yeah my yeah. question is at some point in this she says like you gave me this thing like right christmas yeah, what is that a reference to? Oh, I forget what issue it's in. It might be in 52. It might even be in her comic book run, but there is some interaction they have, and Dick gives her a batarang. Okay. And kind of says, like, it's kind of like a granting of, like, either we'll turn a blind eye or kind of here's approval for now. Because she is, mm-hmm. you know, she she's an independent, like, she just makes a Batwoman costume and does her own thing for a while. Right. Like an independently like, owned McDonald's, kind of. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, and I think it is just a burger, but I call it a Happy Meal. <laughs> <laughs> and I put Thousand Island on it. Um, <laughs> it's a bigger, bigger. I think, didn't Batgirl start off kind of that way, too? Like, she she first put on a Batgirl costume and went to save Batman, and then Batman's like, I guess. Yeah. Normally, yeah. you gotta have to like wear a leotard and be an orphan from a circus, but I guess I'll let you. Wait, none of your family was in a circus? Um, hmm. You didn't watch anyone die? That's no? like rule number one. You gotta watch your parents die. That's initiation. How often do you spend time in a leotard? None? No time? <laughs> no time. You've never been in a cave. <laughs> All right, well, at least has Chuck Dixon written you. <laughs> okay, you're in. <laughs> um, I. I I dug because Justin and I both were reading Red Robin at the same time. So we know that Tim Drake was sure that Bruce was alive and he's out gallivanting the world looking for him. But I feel like this is kind of the first reference in this proper story. I do think it's maybe touched on in Battle for the Cowl, but that, you know, when at the end of all this, they're like sort of, well, what does all this mean? And Dick says, well, Tim Drake was right right all along. Bruce is still alive and all we have to do is find him. Now that was like, fuck yeah. I cannot wait. Yeah, and I love that. Um, but I, I, yeah, I was sort of like, why didn't we bring that up earlier in the run? That like there is some uncertainty as to whether or not he's alive or dead. Yeah, because all all of that supposition was happening outside of Morrison's story, right? right? So did he, did did that Red Robin storyline get dictated by him? Was he like, okay, I need this? chess piece in doing this thing in order for my story to work i bet it's closer to like the jonathan hickman don of x stuff which is like hey here's the chess game that i'm playing Bruce who wants the skeptic blank but you know write whatever you story you want they sort of helps connect this moment to this moment right right um what do you, do you think that there's any meaning uh behind the panel where we're looking through the batmobile the red batmobile windshield I love it outside. I mean, just outside of, I think it looks good and it's some of the more evocative of quietly line work. Right. Right. But I didn't, I didn't. um, Oh, but I mean, I guess like you point that out and there's maybe the metaphor of like Batman, the guy from inside the cockpit is sort of always overseeing and watching this crew. And like, even though they're out trying to solve this mystery, there there's some amount of him that is there. 
Well, there's there's been enough uh, red symbolism in the run. I, I know that that was mostly in the in the previous chunk, but but it's definitely it, in that. It shot seems like the... anytime you're you're shrouded in red, um, maybe there's something else being like this whole the whole yeah. broken memories. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of the same the same as well that red circus tent in the back of that scene of the jumbled memories is I think that those two panels work the same way color wise. Yeah. And yeah. and maybe and maybe and maybe just thematically the Batmobile is empty at the moment, but it's the just a reminder that there's always gonna be a Batman and Robin. There's there's two seats here. There's always gotta be two of them. That's always gonna be an Alfred. I like that a lot. Oh yeah. I love that Roman. I thought it was a reference to Django's wall. <laughs> the red wall. The red wall of awesomeness. Wait, oh. is it is a red wall something to do with mice? What is it? It's a it's, it's a big otter. mouse thing, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um well hey, I just went and ran and grabbed Oh the Bible. <laughs> the Bible. Um no, I just of I crime? Went, I, I grabbed the omnibus because I was Cody reading Walker. this Batman Robin run in the Absolute Edition, which just presents Batman and Robin 1 through 16. But Justin alluded to on Wednesday that the omnibus, which is the reading order that we're doing this podcast in, actually has the following issue. The issue between 9 and 10 of Batman and Robin is Batman 700. Oh, so yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that let's take a look at how long. Batman that 700? Is. Yeah. Yeah. It came out. Around that that Tony Daniel cover. Yeah, but it also had the Mike Magnolia cover, and I borrowed $7 from Josh so I could afford it. And that is when my big love affair with Mike Magnolia was born, was that cover. Oh, yeah, with the red hood and all the question marks. Mm -hmm. That is an awesome cover. Yeah, I still have the issue. And that is a really, really awesome uh, single issue that's got art by, you know, some of the all-time greats. Um, Looking at you, Frank. And it's also a double-sized issue. So um, next week, we will not go right into issue number 10 of Batman and Robin. We're going to do Batman 700 before all that. And we'll probably do that as a week-long issue. Also give us an opportunity to get a little bit ahead on some stuff. I didn't think about that. I was thinking about needing to do uh, a second skip week here soon uh, to get ahead on stuff. And I think that that actually is the perfect time to do it so instead of doing three issues next week we'll just do batman 700 and do a sort of oversized podcast about that that you can look for on monday yeah all of that makes sense my math makes sense there yeah i like that um and then it's a celebrity guest and then is it 10 11 12 or does it jump around more then it's jump around jump around jump around jump around jump around um, we, are, around? we are awkward boys. We are awkward <laughs> out of touch. <laughs> I like rap music. <laughs> I just remember time. Doubtfire, Mrs. Doubtfire, where at the beginning of the birthday party that's playing that song. Are we doing um, the next three issues in a bouncy house? Is that why we're all talking 100%. about 100%. So we've all got to get new mics for that. We just finally got these new mics so Roman and Justin sound on point, but we have to get new new head ones. But yeah, so let's let's let everyone know, and we'll, we'll tell you next week as well, but next week is going to be Batman 700. And then the following week will be Batman and Robin number 10. Then the next episode will be Return of Bruce Wayne number three. And then the next episode on Friday will be Batman and Robin number 11. We'll come back Monday with Return of Bruce Wayne number two. And it'll be alternating for six issues of each of those. All I've got to say is that uh, those things, that shit better tie in good. 
Oh, it's about to get so good. Shut it's up, Django. So you good. like time travel. Just admit it. I know you like I do. time I... travel, especially metaphorical space-time travel. <laughs> it's been a long time since I read either of those, but I remember liking both of them as their own thing. So, like, jumping back and forth between them, I'm, I'm curious to see, like, how they connect and, and why they're co- collected in that way. Like, what are no, the I'm... clues that are touching each other, I guess? Well, I remember the clues that were connecting each other and touching, and I, I loved that. <laughs> I did feel like at the end, just uh, spoilers, I remember not being super in love with Return of Bruce Wayne the way that it ended, <clears throat> but I know way more about things that i know it's overtly referencing that i did not know at that time mm-hmm. so i'm very excited to get to the end of it again because i do think it's going to be something that i appreciate much more and then touching on all of that this week everyone i'm so excited the third batman by grant morrison omnibus came out volume three so all three have come out i did not i mean it was like two years ago this first one came out i did not know if they were ever actually going to finish it they never finished collecting the you know the paperbacks the nice paperbacks have scalped dc just sometimes has to dip out if they don't have the orders for it so it's done i have on my wall all three omnibuses of it um holding that shelf down it is not gonna float away i I ordered one for justin as well because i know he's got one and two and just collect it and complete it and now forever we'll have the definitive reading order on it but again that is the order that we're reading and talking about this run-in so uh, if you have any questions or comments, shoot us an email at batmanandquarantine at gmail.com or shoot us an email just like, hey, remind me of the reading order for what we're going to do. Maybe I'll just write up a document somewhere or something so people could check it out. Um, but That's yeah, I think idea. that mostly covers the stuff on this arc. Was there anything else anybody had? I'm excited to to get more about that Oberon Sexton guy. Oh, yeah. I, I remember little bits of it, but I don't remember the whole thing. Oberon the next, next three in. issues are like some of my favorite. I can't say my favorite of this run because I really like the finale, but I really love these next three issues. Yeah, nice. that's when it all clicks for me. When I remember being like, "Holy fuck, this is Batman, a different kind of book." <laughs> yeah, Batman Ten, the one with the red cover of them, you know, like Dick looking on the ground and Damien with the sword behind them is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that three issue and how it interlaces with return of bruce wayne is when i was like holy shit this is so awesome i love time travel mm-hmm. and i still love time travel yeah Django, shut up I'll yeah show you. Get him, justin get him <laughs> if anyone says any more disparaging things about time travel metaphors grant morrison or dick grayson you're gonna get shot back in time from me personally Oh, man. Do I get to choose where I go? Because that's guaranteed to happen at Did some point. Bruce? <laughs> no. Yeah, uh, I'm really excited for, to talk about issue 700. That I did not think was immediately on my plate, uh, Justin. So I'm very happy that you reminded me of that. And I can't it's wait to get spunky. a special guest on for that. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's very spunky. You guys have Tony oh, Daniel spunky. coming on for that? Oh, hell yeah. is coming on. <laughs> yes. um, Got all him. right, everybody. Well, do send us an email. And, you know, I'm so glad everyone was here. And for Batman in Quarantine, on behalf of Django, Justin, and Roman, I am Jeff, and we will see you on Monday. <laughs>